Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 29 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. More notably, perhaps, is this is the second podcast in the daily podcast for the month of November. If you were with me yesterday, we recapped the completion of the swim challenge and the launch of this daily podcast challenge and the experience of closure and completion and the experience of initiation, of intention, of starting that new space and challenge. So today, I continue. And continuing actually can be the easier thing to do. It's interesting to look at those startings and endings, putting that impetus in place And perhaps you can check in with yourself as we consider this. Are you a strong starter, a strong finisher? Are you strong in the middle? Do you have any struggles in any of those spaces? Is it the times between that are difficult for you? So thinking about the start of something, right? And that anticipation of the start of something. I've had some really interesting conversations in recent days with colleagues looking at anticipatory dread, and if you ever had that experience where you're imagining something, you're thinking about something, you're waiting for it to happen, and you're considering all the worst case scenarios, and not necessarily to the extreme end, but simply all the ways it might not be enjoyable, it might be challenging, it might be overwhelming, it might be stressful, right? We get that sense of dread because we think, oh, here we go. And just noticing what it is that brings us that sense of dread, This is going to be hard. This is going to be really long. This is going to be exhausting. I don't know if I have the energy for this. Here we go again, right? And what does that bring up? And just listen to the tone of my voice when I say those. And if you're thinking it, check in with how your body responds. What I notice is I get this forward hunched posture. My voice lowers. There's a little less oomph and breath behind it in all those ways that contribute to that sense of dread. And that can happen at the start of something. Now, there's also the anticipatory excitement that's available. I think of this often when we are planning a trip or planning a vacation more specifically. If you've seen some of these memes and articles that there's a difference between a vacation and a trip often attributed to whether or not you are with your children or not with your children, right, in the space of travel. So just seeing that. But the oftentimes peak excitement or benefit even of a vacation, if you will, of that experience can be in the pre-planning of it because you also have the opportunity to anticipate all the fantastic opportunities that are before you, how amazing that experience is going to be. I've always wanted to visit this place. I've always wanted to do this. This is something I've dreamed about for so long. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be relaxing. It's going to be so fun. We're going to be connected. All of those are thoughts that are available to you regarding any experience. 
And you might think, no, those are very specific to this vacation, to this lifelong dream, to this cruise, to this excursion, whatever it is you have planned, versus right, a long stretch of work days or chores around the house. It might seem that the thoughts are very much tied to either of those specifically, but they're not. And you might ask around, take a survey. Some people might have a whole bunch of anxiety and their dread might line up with that vacation. Maybe they're scared to fly or concerned about visiting new places or not sure if they're going to find the food that they want or they might get sick and are there going to be resources, right? There can be all kinds of dread associated with that. And believe it or not, there can be excitement associated with that original concept we talked about of that long stretch of work days, right? I get to do what I love. I'm going to serve people. This is what I've trained for. Some people might very much have excitement and none of those are right, wrong, or otherwise. They're just available options. Some are much easier to tune into for certain people at certain times than others, and that is okay as well. So just noticing that at the start of something, do you tend to have all that momentum? Do you overcome inertia really quickly and launch yourself into it? I think about it at the start line of races, right? And I've always been more of a fast starter. I remember in high school, I was a really fast runner in our region, in our city, and I would always try to get out front first. So I can say that for 400 meters of this 5K race, I was in the lead. I was ahead of Bethany Brewster. And shout out to amazing effort for all the years I raced in high school. She always set the standard and I admired the consistency and commitment she had to running. But I digress. So there, we might be a fast starter. Some people might be paced at the beginning. They might find it hard to take those first steps. That's okay too. Just recognizing that can be a powerful space to be in. So when we begin a challenge, sometimes that first day, it's super easy to just show up and do it, right? And we think, oh yeah, we've arrived. I'm gonna do this. I got the first one done. There can be all this excitement around it. Or you might be really nervous and you might think, am I really gonna do this? Am I gonna put myself out there? Is this gonna happen? What happens when I start? Am I gonna have to keep it going? Right? All of those thoughts around it. And it might be more challenging to put that first one out there. But then once it's happened, right? once the first one is done, what happens next for you? And we'll look at these kind of two paths here as well. Sometimes continuing can be easier. It can feel like, well, I've already done the one, right? So I'm obliged to. And that might not feel the best. It might be the, not be the most encouraging, but it can be a method of moving forward. I did the one, right? I showed up, I opened that door, I'm gonna step through now and put that next one in place. It can sometimes be daunting, right? What does this mean? I've already begun, what have I taken on? There can be a lot of that second guessing around it, but for me in general, continuing is almost a given. It's like once this has begun, here we go, right? And so staying with it, especially in those early stages when you're still proximal to the start line, continuing to hold that pace to be consistent, can happen. And then there's that kind of messy middle. And I shared with you the experience of my daily leaving conceivable emails. That was pretty consistent all the way through from January to June, getting daily messages out. And then it fizzled out a bit. And we examined if that was because the space was taken up by the daily swim and other events. But what is it that can make sometimes that lost space in the middle happen? So we've lost a little bit of that allure of the newness, the novelty of that 
rising to the occasion and beginning. And we're far enough from the finish line that it seems too far away, right? There seems that there are too many steps in between to navigate. So what do we do with that messy middle? First, again, simply recognizing it, saying, yeah, this makes sense. And I think about this in workouts. So oftentimes we'll have three, four or five rounds for time. Let's take that five rounds for time workout. Round four is notoriously slower. When we're thinking about the pace of it, again, opening workout, oftentimes we go out with a bang, sometimes to our detriment. Second one, we've kind of figured it out. Okay, that's how long the first one took. I have an idea now of what an appropriate pace is. The third one, you can still be falling into that rhythm and engaging. And then the fourth one, right, is thinking I've lost that allure of getting over the halfway point. I've already crossed that, but there's still a whole nother round in between me and the finish line. And so we can lose that sense of urgency or that sense of possibility in that space. So beginning to check in with that and beginning to see if there are options for how we can help ourselves to navigate that messy middle and bring some of that consistency through to support ourselves. And the thing that has helped me the most is to not be surprised by it in the workouts. I'll often see my pace and it's holding and then it will drop and it may not even be significantly, but it's enough to think, oh, right? What happened? I, you know, I've been doing this and I should be able to hold on. And what's going to happen now? And I hold a whole other round left. But the opportunity is to see that, say, ah, right, there's the fourth round. And then to be able to come back and say, well, I completed that fourth round. Now I am only one round away from the finish and be able to stay the course for that final round there. So in these challenges, and this one will be interesting, we'll watch it in real time over the course of these 30 days, right? We're in that early beginning space, but what will we look at in those days between, let's say, 15 and 25? Where will the energy be and how can we support it? So we cannot be surprised by it. We can begin to set the tone differently. This is where I get to show my strength, right? Reframing it in that way of how will I show up in these particularly and just saying those numbers, 15 to 25, I think let's put an arc in place. Let's put something really fantastic in that zone, in that region for those 10 days so that we almost build in that newness and that finish line in a smaller arc. And if we think about holding this whole lever, it can get really heavy if we can narrow it and we come to this smaller portion still of the whole, they still are those middle to latter part, 10 days of this challenge. But if we see them as their own entity, right, we can shorten that effect, lessen its impact. In the workout, we might do that. So in that fourth round, can I simply look at the pieces in place for that fourth round and break that down into a more manageable section? So if this happens for you, if you have the messy middles, if you have challenges when you are in that space where you're too far beyond, right, to turn around and go back to the start, and you're not close enough to be beyond that point to the finish, what can you do to support yourself in there? And then let's talk about the strong finish. So I had the experience this year of watching middle school cross country, which is fantastic. It's two miles. It's a great distance to push oneself, but also not to be stretched so far that the 5K in high school might challenge the younger athlete. And seeing them progress over the course of the season was fantastic. And there were great opportunities to see the ways that people ran, 
right? There were for sure the fast starters. There were those who were actually able to make good use of that messy middle. There were some who fell off, right? You saw them strong in that first mile, and most of these courses were two loops. So interestingly, they got to run the same race twice, essentially. And you could see the impact of having had that distance under their belt. And sometimes there'd be a pretty significant drop-off in that latter portion in the second mile before they got toward the finish. But there were a whole host of fast and furious finishers in this experience. So once they saw that race shoot, right, they dropped two minutes per mile off their pace. They were gone. They were passing all these runners. They were flying. And you might think, well, they should have paced themselves if they had that much left at the end. Perhaps. Right? There's a strategy and there's some logic and there's training and experience that can be embraced there. And at the same time, just noticing that we often have more in reserve than we think. And I'm not saying to ignore the signs and signals that your body gives you. And if you're tired, to just disregard that and blast through. But I am saying many times we do want to conserve, right? That's just good physiologic practice. Our body is saving things, right? So we can survive and thrive in different environments. We're not going to give it all away. And there are times we can tap into those reserves. We can say, oh, I made it this far, right? I've covered these two and three quarter miles and now there's this quarter mile left. Let me check in. Yes, I have this and I can go. And then there were those who were being passed in the shoot in that final straightaway, right? Who may have given all they had to give, right? And simply holding steady, sometimes getting there and sometimes having to walk into the finish. I've been there in difficult races. I think particularly of my own first race in cross country, I couldn't finish. I had such intense cramps in my abdomen. I wasn't trained for that third mile of the course, And so I did. I had to walk off the course. Some caveat asterisk here. I didn't have a physical, so you weren't legally or technically allowed to cross the line. But really, it was kind of a no-go either way for me. So just seeing how the finishing shows up for you. Sometimes we finish with a flourish. I think about that in music. There can be all of these phases. right? The openings start to draw you in, in that steady pace. And then sometimes, we wouldn't necessarily call it a lull, right? but we might drop in the tone, in the pace, in the key signature, and then bring it back and impact you with the finish. So there's all different ways to take the approach to a challenge, to any experience, really. And let's see how that unfolds over the course of this month. What is your pacing? What are your strengths? What would you like to emphasize? Is there a place you'd like to grow? I loved in my daughter's conference this year, the teacher had them do a self-assessment called Glow and Grow. And this might be utilized. Otherwise, it was the first I'd heard of it, but I really appreciated the concept. So Glow, acknowledging what am I doing really well? And if we think about this in the course of a challenge, for me, I tend to start well, right? And I tend to have pretty decent endurance, but I can lack sometimes actually that messy middle and even the finishing portion. Now, in some spaces, I have had the strong finish. I think about that in racing, having a kick, but that's been less the case recently. And if I pan out, I can see that that's less the case in certain areas as well. And again, I could look at that absolutely as a criticism, but if I take this approach, my glow, I start strong, I have good ideas, and I can hold on for quite a long time. And where I'd like to grow 
is in consistency and emphasis, really, on that messy middle, especially that latter portion of the middle, and strength of the finish. Not even necessarily a sprint finish or a grand finale, even, but simply holding through, bringing that energy through and consistency into that space. So that's my grow and glow when I think about the arc of a challenge and an arc of any experience to honor what's going well and to recognize where I'd like to strengthen and put energy into an emphasis. So I ask you, what challenge might you be undertaking right now? What might you be considering that perhaps you'll take on and join me in this month? And how can we look at that together and honor this glow and grow opportunity? What might come up for you? And I wanted to touch on today, as I shared yesterday, the stopping sometimes can be difficult. And so we talked about starting, right? we've talked about continuing, we've talked about finishing, and we've talked about finishing fast, maybe finishing slow, finishing with splendor, finishing with a struggle. But what about when we're not sure how or when to finish? So with a race, there is often a finish line, although I've been in races where there have been some misdirections and people have ended up not on the course. Those people, my hand being raised here, you can't see it in podcast format. I remember my most favorite running course. They had added a half marathon to the 15K, which was sad for all number of reasons. You know, the uniqueness of that distance and the tradition of that course. And it changed. And I found myself already lamenting at the start of that race that there was even an option. Why not just hold strong to this distance? And what I noticed as I was running it is I didn't have the same love for the experience because I had some of that resentment toward what had been taken away, what had been changed. Resistance, if you will, alongside that resentment. And what happened was this course that I had run a number of times, right, because there was now this conflicting, we'll call it, right, competing race course alongside it. When we came to the turn, again, that I'd taken many times before, I was confused, right, because there were these different ways to go and people were going to run longer. And I took the turn to join the half marathon course. Incidentally, number one, I was not registered for that race. I was not mentally prepared for that distance on that day. And it totally derailed the whole experience for me. And we could look at misdirection there, right? Where were the people lined up to help guide me? But I'm so curious now considering how my thoughts may have impacted that, right? This course shouldn't be here. They're ruining it all these different ways. And my race was really ruined. If we think about it in the way of, I didn't cross the finish line, right? For the 15K, I did end up running 9.3 miles. I just ran until I got to that distance. And then I stopped and I phoned a friend (laughs) and said, please come pick me up. And actually my pace would have been quite good in the benefit on that day is many people switched to do the half marathon and I might have actually placed quite high in the 15k but alas my going in thought was they've ruined it right and the result ultimately was that I ruined it by not taking that turn and that's not a blame shame or otherwise of not lamenting it it's really a reflection to say wow right how could I maybe have approached that differently and said well, the 15K is still here. Right? I'm choosing to run this race. It no longer is actually an availability in that distance, but it was at that point in time. And how might that have shifted the experience? So it really is a curiosity space, not a criticism space when I use that word ruin, because it can certainly sound 
quite dramatic, but noticing the impact there. All that, that detour, just like the detour I took in that run, to say that sometimes the finish line is very clear. Right? So those kids in the middle school run, they can see, they see the shoot, they see the flags, they see the finish line, it's very clear where they need to go and where they need to stop. There are other spaces and places where it is not clear. There's not a clear delineation of where the stop is. I see this a lot in the practice of medicine. And for many of the stages, there are clear starts and stops. And there's even some clarity in that middle ground, right? So there's medical school, there's internship, there's residency, there's fellowship, there's junior attending status. You know, there's all these spaces and places, but then at some point, there is less of a defined path. There's less of this, you've crossed this finish line and you're just floating a bit. And that can be really disconcerting if you have had this externally directed trajectory for so much of your life and your professional career to now be the one to say how long I stay here, right? I'm going to stay in this job for this many years, or I'm going to seek this different way of practicing, or perhaps step into administration or an entrepreneurship in a different way. But you're making that decision both to start it and also to know where the finish line might be for that. How do I know when I've arrived? How do I know what's enough? How do I know if I'm going to keep going or if I should stop? That can be really hard to navigate. And as I shared with the swim challenge, I actually had a missed finish line of sorts. Originally, the plan was to swim June to October, finish and be done at the end of September, not swimming in October. And then there were some invitations from the universe and otherwise to swim into October a few days. And I thought, well, if you're swimming a few days, let's just swim the whole thing. Sometimes we'll find those finite spaces. It might be a certain multiple of days. Today being the 151st podcast, I love those palindromic sequences, especially when they start in with a one because it's really 11 with a little bit of a sandwich in between. So maybe you find a number pattern like me to make that feel appropriate as a stopping point. Perhaps it is those calendar moments, maybe the start of the week, the end of the week, the weekend, the mid-month, end of month, where we can find those kind of logical or socially acceptable stop points. But stopping isn't always easy. And I think about when we do have that momentum. So when I did have 153 days behind me in the routine of that experience, it was quite difficult yesterday not to swim. And that might sound a little bizarre, thinking, no, you just don't swim. It's pretty straightforward. You don't get in the water. In that part, yes, I wasn't going to accidentally find myself in the bay. But the act of not going, there are a number of times during the day when I normally would have gone, right? After a workout, perhaps, or before picking up the kids as this refresh and renewal and preparation for that moment, might be in the evening, right, before going into what is usually my workday in the later hours of the day. And so at all those moments, I had this sense of, oh, should I go? I could go. One more swim, right? I said, no. We've committed to stopping, we being me and me, and let it be. And it wasn't until it was dark out, and I even considered then, because I did a few later night swims, the day's not over yet. I had that thought come through. And then finally, I had calls between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. And so at the end of the 11 p.m., it seemed pretty unlikely that I was going to leave my house and leave my kids and go swim. And at the same time, it really wasn't until 
the clock went past midnight that I knew for a fact I wasn't going to swim that day. And it's not to say I didn't trust myself to follow through, but just that sense of consistency, routine, the inertia momentum in that space that had been moving me in that direction to release, to let it go, to give myself permission not to swim, to honor it as an appropriate closure rather than a dropped sequence that really could have perpetuated into eternity. So sometimes it can be challenging to know where the finish is, what qualifies as a finish line, how to finish, and how to be at peace with that experience. And it was beautifully acknowledged, and I thank my husband for posting about the swim experience for me. And his post actually received a number of likes and comments and support and People who have been following me in real action, right, have seen me in the water, have seen my posts about it, who know about the challenge. I saw this morning, and it was acknowledged to me, right, congratulations on the swim, and my automatic response was, I didn't go yesterday. And they said to me, yes, I know, that was probably really hard, and you did it. And I paused for a minute, and I thought, yeah, it was. And in some ways, the not swimming was more challenging than the swimming. I'll say on most days. There were a few. There were a handful of days, (laughs) like I shared with you, in that last month and last week particularly, was really a moment of, ooh, am I really really doing this? And people would say, you don't have to, right? You could just be done now. I said, no, I'm going to complete this. But overall, on average, the act of swimming, of continuing, because the start just happened once. And we could think about starting every day with that, but really the start of the trend of the sequence of the streak happened once. And then there were 151 days, ooh, I like the number of this podcast, of continuing, and then one day of finishing, right? And we could look at that as an arc of each day of the experience, right? Take a meta moment with that. But the act of continuing, I had been well-trained for, I had practiced a number of times, but I hadn't. In five months, had a finishing day. And so it can feel awkward. It can be out of your space of strength. And we can still do it. And we can honor ourselves for having done it. And I will say the acknowledgement that it must have been difficult not to go felt at least as powerful to me as the acknowledgement of having completed the challenge or having completed any one swim on any one day. And I thought about that. And I thought about all my colleagues who have been starting and navigating that messy middle and finishing in all kinds of different ways. There's been a lot of what we might call finishing in medicine in this last year and a half particularly. And we could look at that, again, as a loss. We could look at it as sadness. I'm sure the physicians look at it with questions of was that right, wrong, or otherwise. And I want to honor it as an act of bravery, as an act of strength, as an act of being in integrity with oneself. And that creativity, that confidence, that contentment to draw a finish line where one might not exist on its own. And to be willing to cross it, that can take so much strength of mind, strength of spirit, strength of body. And we can look at the impact and the effects 
And I want to look at them from the space of what does this no mean? What does this enough? What does this done? What does this waving of the flag, not necessarily in surrender, although that word does resonate in a lot of ways, but an act of declaration to say, I have done this. I have contributed and I am completing this journey. And what I love about that opportunity is it allows for one to turn and to reflect because we can look over our shoulder when we're running, right? We don't get the full experience of what's happening behind us, around us, or what we've accomplished, right? We're still in two minds in that space. We're actively running and we're looking to see who's behind us. And then we're glancing ahead to see how far we have yet to go. But when we cross the finish line, we're allowed to, we're given the space to stop, right? To reflect on what just happened, right? To be with that experience of having finished, to turn and look and notice all we've come through, to acknowledge those who are participating alongside us. So it gives us space to have a new perspective. And it also allows us to have seen what that full experience is like. And we get to decide whether or not we'd like to start again. Perhaps a different race, a different distance, a different discipline, maybe with a team rather than as a solo athlete or vice versa. We can make new choices, right? It doesn't have to be an eternal, nothing evermore finish line, but it's giving ourselves permission to say, that was complete unto itself. Here I am. I'm allowing myself to rest. Most finish lines do allow for the catching of breath, for refueling, for restoring, and then deciding what next will begin. And that might be nothing. It might simply be casual space into retirement. Often not the case. Most people are doing something, but recognizing where we can choose what that next start line, what that continuation looks like, how we navigate the messy middle. Maybe it won't be quite as messy this time around, or we're simply at peace with the messiness that is. How we handle the finish. And when there isn't a clear, distinct, delineated finish line, that we trust ourselves to put one in place and to step across that line with love and support for the decisions that we've made. So here we are in this arc. We're in the continuity, the continuing phase, which might be some of my favorite parts, but we're going to harness Buddy the Elf, right? And we're going to switch from making singing or continuing our favorite to making work or that messy middle, our favorite. We're going to honor that as our glow experience through these 30 days. I'm so glad you're here with me. I'd love to hear from you what's coming up for you as we navigate this experience. If you're enjoying it, please share with a friend, encourage them to subscribe and follow the podcast. And I will see you again tomorrow. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.